All right, welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor podcast. We have another excellent guest for you today, uh, Ms. Savania DeBarros, who is a former Division I track athlete. Now she's turned attorney and the protector of the athletes, um, as well as an author and doing a lot of other great things in this realm. So very glad to have you on the, on the podcast this morning. Are you interested in real estate? Are you tired of hearing about all the money that your friends and colleagues are making from their investments, but you don't know where to start? Don't worry, I got you. We are teaming up with Dr. Ronnie Shalev and Shawin Properties to equip you with the tools you need to feel empowered about your investments. So how do you get involved? Do these three things. First, go to my website at drderekthesportsdoctor.com and click on the sponsor link for Shawin Properties. This will give you access to a free webinar as well as the ability to have a discovery call with Dr. Ronnie Shalev. Also follow her on social media and stay tuned for more helpful tips coming at you on Money Mondays. Now back to the episode. Thanks so much, Doc. I appreciate the invitation and to be here to share more about what I do. All right. So tell us about your kind of track of how you became a, a track athlete, number one, and, you know, what led you into law? Yeah, well, I've always wanted, I'll start off with that part. I've always wanted to be a lawyer, even as okay. a, a little babe, um, or younger than my son. My son just turned five. <laughs> so around about four, I, I knew that I wanted to be an attorney and I voiced that to my mom. Um, I don't even know how I got started in track I just always known that I was fast so I would race all of the boys all the time we will always be outside racing um each other and even when we would visit different family like I will always line up <laughs> to run but um even being exposed to other sports my speed was always something that I'm like oh this you know this feels really really good mm. um but it was just something that I just wanted to do and because my mom kept us in sports, that was that turned into my love. And honestly, even going to college, I wanted I was a competitive cheerleader as well. So in college, I wanted to try out for the cheerleading team, but it was going to conflict with track. And I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I went the track route. Yeah. So I have a son now who's seven, but, you know, he's still talking about beating the girls. I said, better watch out because at that age. The girls right. can still be significantly faster than the boys. It's usually right. about puberty that, you know, you start to see yeah, a difference. Yep. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so true. you did, you said you mentioned the 200 and the 400. Those were yeah, your I did. Yeah, my coach made us, well, made me do the open four, which I hate it um, yeah. because to me, that's more of a mid-distance runner. <laughs> that's not, a. I mean, I understand that it is a sprint, but I was just never built four 400 sure. um but I get the point of it you know just for technique and endurance so every time I ran it, it was more of a practice for me versus actually competing in the 400 yeah um and I wish I could have gone further with it um I stayed injured a lot in college and I think some of that was due to some of the injuries I sustained as a competitor in high school and all the other things that I did but um even though I wasn't at my tip top shape then. I still appreciate the experience that I was able to take from that. Right. Well, since you're talking to an orthopedic surgeon, let's talk mm -hmm. about injuries a little bit. So 
you know, speak to the grind that it takes on your body, the toll that it takes on your body as a track <clears throat> athlete. You know, you're pounding the pavement or pounding the track for months of the year. Yeah. Um, shin splints and sprains and strains and different things of that nature and how to recover from it. So just kind of talk to about how you had to take care of your body to be a competitive athlete. You know what? One thing I think contributed to the injury was um, a lack of nourishment. And then our track was not the best. They ended up redoing the entire facility like after we graduated. I'm like, Why didn't you guys do this while we were still here, right? So yeah. all the newer people that came in get the benefit of running in this immaculate you know, track and everything. But, and this is another reason why, because we kind of talked a, a little bit about NIL, but this is why I love allowing uh, college athletes to monetize their name, image, and likeness. Mm -hmm. Because even as a student athlete, yeah, I wasn't the top athlete, right? I wasn't performing in one of the, what we would call the popular uh, sports, but you start seeing how malnourished a lot of these kids are, unless it's something where the school is putting things on, you know, you don't have any money for anything right. extra. So I remember eating bread and noodles, you know, those ramen noodles, that is right. nothing but junk. <laughs> it's not going to do anything for you. And the yeah. cheapest thing that you could probably find is rice because you can make a whole lot of it, you mm -hmm. know, bread, um, ramen noodles. And um, so that was kind of the stuff that I kept around just in case so like if I ran out of anything okay I know I have something to eat because mm -hmm. at least I can burn something but I know that and especially looking back I recognize I was not nourishing my body mm -hmm. and so I in my mind I'm not a physician but I've I felt like maybe that contributed to the continued injury and never really getting better so you know I did all of what um our team doctor or therapist Trainer, would say yeah. do you know I was always in the athletic facility getting my treatments and you know doing whatever the protocol was but it just seemed like I could never really get that leg back right yeah so you're bringing up another important topic which is the disparity in sports right so when people think about college athletes we see a lot of times the basketball team the male basketball team, and we see football teams who have, you know, maybe the luxury apartments, um, they have the special dining rooms. And but outside of that, many of the athletes are almost on their own as far as nutrition. Absolutely. You know, you don't have a great training room sometimes. So there's been a lot of gains made or to close that gap. But women athletes and male athletes, a lot of time in college have a different experience. Yeah, I totally agree to that. I can say even while I was in college, our training facility was dope to me. Like mm. I, it was absolutely beautiful, but I can't tell if my team and the treatment that we received was different from other people. Because all I know is the male athletes who were technically football athletes did have a completely different treatment than what I would say we had, mm -hmm. you know, um, but that's like just two separate, two separate teams. And of course the gender is different. So that I, it's been so long ago too. I can't really speak <laughs> to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I do agree that there is a lot of disparity there and there always have been. And I believe it's because, I mean, if you look at the sport that's really bringing in the money for the university, yeah. It's generally 
the football team and then basketball to follow after that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. So let's segue to NIL. What is NIL number one? You know, it's been a buzzword and now that it's in college athletics now for over a year now, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people throw around the term, but do we really know what NIL means? So will you give us a good definition of what NIL stands for? Yeah. So it's abbreviated. It's name, image, and likeness, not to be confused with none (laughs) in different languages, but um, it's really your intellectual property rights, your right of publicity. So when we think of NIL, it is the things that necessarily is is intangible, right? You can't really pick it up and take it somewhere unless you really create something that is built around the name, image, and likeness. So if an individual said, hey, I want you to show up, to an event and I'll give you, I don't know, let's say $10,000 to to show up, maybe sign or shake a few hands, your name, your image and your likeness is involved. So that's really what it is. There's a a lot of legal mama jumbo around it and how you protect it and, you know, how you contract for it. But essentially that's what it is. It's your, it's your publicity rights. It's your right to do what you want to do with it and to, you know, place parameters around who you want to get the benefit off of it commercially. And speak to your role as an attorney with NIL, what are you, as a protector of the athlete, so speak to that role. Yeah, so as a protector of athletes, that is taking my legal background, me as an attorney, and talking to athletes about all the things that people are just not going to tell them. So you may have someone, for instance, say, hey, I got this contract for you and it looks really, really, really good. But what they're not going to tell you is, you know, how long the contract might be for all of the the trap language that may be in there about utilizing your NIL forever, perpetuity, you know, for an example. Um, You may not even understand that there is an exclusivity provision, even if, if it doesn't have the words exclusive right? Because we can describe certain language without actually saying the words. You want to make sure that you're not being locked into a relationship that you don't really want to be in for the long haul or end up transferring the rights to your NIL to someone else inadvertently. And that happens. That truly happens. And so as an attorney and as the protector of athletes, my goal is just to make sure that athletes understand what they have right? The rights that are already vested to them, how to monetize and leverage that, but most importantly, how to protect it. Because if you don't protect it, you won't have any way to leverage and or monetize it. Yeah. And this is so important. I mean, this is, I hope athletes will really tune in. So athletes, parents, agents, Mm -hmm. because this is even more important than the size of the deal. You know, correct. the the difference between a $500 deal and a $1,000 deal. Yeah it's probably more important how the deal is written than the actual yeah. monetary amount to it. It absolutely because. is because technically your compensation does not have to be money. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's about the doors that can be open and the rooms that you can be placed in and the rooms that someone could put you in could be worth a million dollars, right? right. <laughs> but you may not be paid a million dollars to be in that room. And so it's also important that we are educating uh, college athletes to not be so short-sighted, right? And don't operate from a place of desperation. Be- because Scarcity. when you, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like, take me back 
when in my college days, yeah, I might've been hungry. I found something to eat, but if I would have been inserting myself into places out of desperation, who knows what my future could look like, right? So we have to make sure that we are not making decisions based on desperation or based on what other people around us are saying we need to do or we should do because they are also so short-sighted. You really have to think about what is my end goal? And now with name, image, and likeness being so prevalent, yeah, there are, there are some athletes who are getting the top dollar deals, but they that may not be your situation. You know, our relationships, the things that we that we build and cultivate with other people have a much longer lifespan than money, right? Yes. <laughs> and it has the ability to multiply the amount of income we can receive, you know, years to come. But you still have to plant that seed. And I just, you know, I really, I really, <laughs> I get passionate about this yeah. because we got to stop this bull crap, man. Like, I really want athletes to recognize their value. And the way that you can do that is by turning off a lot of the junk that's been fed to you, figure out who you are, right? And that will allow you to find the relationships and find the deals that truly align with you because sometimes you, you are going to do things for free. But it doesn't mean that it won't have a return on that investment. Yes. So yeah. I had a an agent on my show a couple of weeks back, and we talked about being authentic when you're trying to build a brand, right? right. So just because somebody comes to you from, you know, John Deere and say, hey, sign here to promote my tractors. If you've never ridden a tractor, if you never looked at a tractor, People are going to say, wow, this doesn't match, right? (laughs) And you can put yourself into a hole by doing something like that. Um, So you really need to think about your brand first. Right. And then attract people that fit into your brand more so than just saying, oh, yeah, sure, I'll I'll promote your drink for $50. I'll do this for $100. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so it's tricky business for sure. It is, but that's why you need to know who you are. Yeah, You know, we got too many people walking around in a facade, you know, walking around as people that have been groomed to do one thing. And if you think about, I know that you're in a different part of medicine and orthopedics, but if you think about the mental component of athletes and professional athletes and what happens to them and the huge dip that they take, you know, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, when the sport ends for them, they, most of them are not ready for it. And I hate, have, keep, you know, keep having to have this conversation about it because it's something that we could truly change. But it's like, when somebody puts that amount of money in front of you, you never seen that before. It's, it has a completely different impact, right? Um, So I really hope that we can help athletes to not look at how big the dollar sign is, but really figure out who they are. Because when you know who you are, you know what you need to do. It's easier for you to be able to save, pay what you need to pay, invest in what you need to invest in responsibly, you know, and move on with your life. People who don't know who they are, they're constantly looking for validation. They're constantly looking for people to be their friend. And the problem is they've never had real people around them in the first place. Everybody has always been around them based on what they think they can do or where they're going to go, you know, and so they hold on for the paycheck. Mm -hmm. So when the paycheck comes, they're still around and they're still 
drying out that athlete and the athlete never realizes until they lose everything and then no one's there. Right. Right. So speak about, you know, we talked about value, right? So your value is always going to be more than what somebody's willing to pay you. Correct. Um, because when they come to you, they already know mm-hmm. I'm going to give you this amount, but trust me, I'm going to profit even more. Um, so your value is more than that. So you have to know how to leverage who you are to mm-hmm. be able to negotiate, number one, because there mm-hmm. always is room for negotiation. Yeah. Um, and to be able to leverage your relationships. And you mentioned the relationships. This could be more than a paycheck. But if you can go to the corporate meetings yeah. for this company, or if you can own shares in the company, that might be more, yeah. how, far more valuable than a paycheck, you know? Yep, so. absolutely. And absolutely. if you get a paycheck, you got to pay taxes on it. Come on now. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. So yeah. how are you offering your, your wisdom and your knowledge to these university athletes? Or how do they get in touch with you or to just to learn about what the legal aspects or ramifications of some of these contracts may be? The Sabre training bat is like no other training bat you've ever used before. So the purpose of the Sabre training bat with its modified barrel is so that you can perfectly sequence and get behind the ball, getting the bat on plane sooner, creating less miss hits, more line drives, higher batting averages, and more exit velocity. The Sabre training bat is the number one training bat on the market. Sabre bats, the training bat that's gonna take you to your best swing. The way that a lot of them are reaching me are through other professionals that I have been connected with or building relationships with and through the brands. Um, So athletes making moves, a lot of them are coming through there because that's really the brand that is for the student athlete. Um, And then also the NIL combine. So we just recently launched that this year on the back of the athletes making moves book launch, which occurred in 2021. Um, but that is a way for them to understand and see not just from the legal side, but all of the other stuff like banking. We had a finance panel to talk about budgeting and banking and, you know, how to really make your money work for you versus you just sitting there throwing money away. We even had, I think it was one guy on the finance panel talk about insurance, you know, so if you go and you're, you got $10 a month if you put that into some type of insurance vehicle, you may be able to, if anything, protect yourself if something happens, you know, injury wise, but you may also be able to just invest a little of something to make your money work for you versus just throwing it away. Um, So it's important that athletes have a holistic view of what's included in being an entrepreneur, right? Protecting that NIL, because as soon as you begin to negotiate with anyone about how you will utilize any form or all of name, image, and likeness, you are in business. And let me just back up because if someone gives you a scholarship to come and play for their school, you're already in business. There's been a transaction around your athleticism, something that you do, something that you bring to the table. And so we have to you know, make a switch in terms of our value, as you said, what we bring to the table, 
because you you are already in business, right? Mm-hmm. So now that you know that, what are we going to start doing to make sure that we are safeguarding all of those pillars around us, around who we are and around the assets, the NIL, right, that we own, so... Yeah. Now you briefly mentioned some books, right? So these are books that you wrote. You're an author. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell us about your books. Yeah. So the first book, you can see it behind me. Uh, what are you sporting about? That also hit the bestsellers list. Um, what are you sporting about is specifically for the professional retired athlete. I kind of had a little message in there though, to my aspiring professional athletes, which would be ding, 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 college athletes. Um, but right after writing that book, I started writing athletes making moves and athletes making moves is a premise primarily on name, image, and likeness, introducing it, taking the athlete from understanding how this concept has come to light from, you know, legislative perspective, from NCAA rules, people that have lost, uh, their, their eligibility, people who've been imprisoned because of, you know, things that was happening around sports and and some of these coaches being involved in this entire ring of trying to to persuade kids to go to certain schools. Um, But then I take them from that point of perspective. Now that we know how this all happened, what are some things I can do to recognize my NIL rights, begin protecting it, and long-term safeguarding those rights? So contracts, um, estate planning. A lot of kids don't want to think about life after death. Right. Right. Um, but the the simple premise is if we don't put certain safeguards in place, who's going to get the benefit of your NIL? Like it could le- legitimately blow up and someone who's never had anything to do with you could be the one person that holds the assets that you created. Is yeah. that something that you would want? So yeah, there's a ton of stuff in that book that we talk about, um, contracts, intellectual property, which is NIL, finance, setting up business entities, because that's one way you can protect your assets as well. Uh, And especially if you are generating a good amount of income from monetizing NIL, you are going to want to take advantage of the tax code. And the best way you can do that is to be a, a recognizable legal entity. So yeah, it's a lot in the book. <laughs> nah, it's deep. This is deep. I mean, universities should be lining you up to come speak. You know, I've pitched 100%. universities. I'm I'm a little tired at this point. I may try to yeah. get back on the horse and pitch some more, but I don't yeah. know. And I, I know athletes definitely need the support and the training. They need more workshops. A lot of them and their parents are like, we don't know what this is, right? right. We don't know what to do, but- We got to get the word out. Yeah, yeah, the excuse I, I hear a lot is we just don't have the budget. Sure. You can find the budget. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you what you make a priority. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this is amazing work that you're doing. And you know, going from a track athlete to an attorney to now the protector of athletes, this is amazing the way that you're laying out this platform for them. Uh, but did you have to deal with any imposter syndrome or anything as you started to develop, develop in this role? Not necessarily developing in this role. Um, I've had, I think at different points of success, there is an issue of imposter syndrome. At least I've experienced that. I know there there's 
countless of individuals who deal with imposter syndrome. But I also think that that's something important for athletes to recognize too. You know, I didn't even know that was such a thing. Right. To be honest, like until some years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think when athletes begin to move into different spaces that don't feel really comfortable because you're used to just playing and showing up or going to your class and doing whatever, that's what everyone expects of you. That's what you are used to doing. It can feel unnerving to be in a space now where you're like, can I really do that? That's imposter syndrome. Uh, We all have and have been vested with the power to do what what is necessary for our own good. Like God Mm -hmm. wants us to be prosperous people. And that's why it's important that you know who you are and what you want to do with your life. Because once you are on that right path, it's easier to say, you know what? Screw you, imposter syndrome. I know I'm built for this, right? right? I am built for this. And you already have everything you need to be able to succeed. Um, For me, I I think when I really, really realized that I experienced imposter syndrome was when I did um, a TEDx talk for Humboldt State University and the organized, it was around environmental justice. And I'm like, but I'm not an environmental attorney, right? I knew I wanted to talk about my framework, which I debuted in Athletes Making Moves, Have Your Say, not S-A-Y, but S-A-E, um, Shifting Your Mindset for Success, um, Jesus, achieving, <laughs> achieving Through Accountability and Excelling with Education. That's what S-A-E stands for. Um, I knew I wanted to debut that, right? I wanted to talk about that. And so I'm like, how does this fit with environmental justice? And so once I got over that imposter syndrome and just thought about what am I really passionate about? Like, why do I, why am I a lawyer? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And thinking about how I already serve my clients, it was just, it clicked, it clicked. You know, and so sometimes we we take these big concept issues and we think that we can't fit in to what they are and we can't talk about the issues because we feel like we may not have the requisite training or know-how, but that is false. You can, and this is the one amazing thing about being human, right? God created us in a way that we are able to learn anything and we are able to use our mind in ways that other species cannot you know, so when I wrote my speech for environmental justice, it was amazing how I was able to look at racism that happens in Black and Latino uh, communities around how our country doesn't really care about those individuals, you know, how, and I was still able to take the sporting concept, like we are all sporting for social justice. I mean, if we're being real and honest about it. And I want people, and that's the podcast brand. What are you sporting about? Like, I want people to understand, even as a college athlete, what exactly are you sporting about in your life? Because it's not just sports, right? That's that's not the question. That's yeah. not the issue. What did God put you on this earth to do? Bigger purpose. Yeah. Exactly. What is the thing that lights you up at the end of the day that you will legitimately do for free? Because that should be the guiding light no matter how much you love the sport, like you can always work in sports, but that should not be the dominant feature of your life. What were you called here to do? And so I think when we can address that question, what's imposter syndrome? Like, I don't know what that is. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That wouldn't even be an issue. 
A couple of things. So number one, when opportunity presents, it might not always be packaged up exactly how we thought it would be, right? Yeah, true. You know, because they came to you and said, let's talk about this. You could have automatically said, oh, absolutely not. That's not what I do. Let the opportunity pass you by. But yeah. you said, oh, I can fit what I do into what you want me to do and still get the purpose across as Correct. well as, you know, imposter syndrome. I'm a physician, you know, I deal with life and death situations, you know, we have surgery, but when it came down to like writing a book or doing a podcast, you're like, whoa, I don't, I'm not equipped for that. I know. You know? Yeah. I've been through medical school, I passed these exams, but I can't sit down and have a conversation with someone. So we limit ourselves many times, especially with titles. Once you get a title, you know, it can be yeah. a glorified title, but it can still limit you even more. You know, yeah. you're a doctor. Why are you even worried about doing that? You should be taking care of patients, doing more surgeries, uh, doing things that are meaningful as a doctor, yeah. you know, but having these conversations to get the information out to the public, I think, you know, can play even more of a, be even more meaningful at the end of the day, when you start to talk about what is your God-given purpose and why are you truly on this earth mm -hmm. uh, to inspire others and to lead others to freedom and to lead, empower other people. Um, because we're in rooms and spaces that a lot of people can't walk into. Correct. You know, you have to escort them in many times. So, yeah. And, and just knowing too, that there, there are times where you have to build and set your own table. Yes. Everybody <laughs> is not going to see the value in you the way that you do. Like I've literally have had to do that. I, I've been doing it with what he's sporting about. I've been doing it with athletes making moves. No one invited me to the table, but I yeah. saw a need that was necessary you know, and when people start seeing you and, and they experience you and discover you, you know, if you're talking about something that you're super passionate about, it catches on. Like other people want to join you. They yeah. want to support you. And you'll be shocked at how many other people have, in some respect, the same passions, you know, where you can really get together and change a community and possibly even change this world, right? But sometimes it takes you and you can't look at other people and just expect that they're gonna come and lift you up, do everything for you, sit you down at the particular table. You know, I, I said to myself some years ago, I'm like, but don't he or she know I do this? You know, <laughs> like, hello? Yeah. Yeah. You got to make your own table sometime and have the courage to do that. Yeah. So, man, that's powerful. So on time out with the sports doctor, this is your final time out. So let's speak about building your own table because you're an African-American, you're in this space, you're a lawyer, you're an athlete, you're unique, you're a unicorn of sorts. You're the protector <laughs> of athletes. So like you mentioned, you have to invite yourself to the table and build that table so speak to the audience about that mentality and the tenacity and resilience that it takes to even yeah. be bold enough to do that. Um, one, it takes, and I'm just going to speak from my own perspective on this, because when I began to write what he was sporting about, there was a lot of anxiety that was happening. One, I knew I wanted to write something that will inspire and get people to thinking differently than what they've been conditioned to do. But on the other side of that, it's like, oh my God, these people don't know me. Like <laughs> I haven't shown up into this sports space talking yeah. about in it. Like, why would they even listen to me? You know, and 
that is the biggest problem with having the courage or being able to build the courage and confidence enough to build your own table. If you yourself, what was the this verse? I'm sorry to, to basically be preaching on this podcast, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can't think of the verse specifically, but a man is what he thinketh, right? Sure. So if you think yourself that there's no way I can do this, then guess what? You're not going to do this. You can't, yeah. There's a quote that says, she think it so she did i don't know if that's the, the exact words but mm. we have the power to think a thing and then we can actually turn it into something that is powerful like that is gold if we think about the world being nothing or the universe being nothing but god said that there, let there be light and there was light and there's water and there are animals and there's like it starts as a thought i'm like getting the chills just thinking about that <laughs> right like it starts in your mind and so you have to tell yourself good things like I am, I, I can do this. Like I am the person who's built yeah. for this. I am the person yeah. that's going to change people's lives. You know, I am, I am smart. If you're the first person to go to college in your family, it doesn't matter that you're the first. Maybe you're just the chosen one to show people that something else is possible out here, right? But it all starts in our mind. And once you realize that I have the capabilities to build this thing, no matter who came before me or who didn't, like I'm the first in my family to go to law school. No one showed me how to do this thing, yeah. right? The first one in my family to become a, a lawyer. No one showed me how to do that. No one was able to back me up on studying for my exams. So you have to recognize that as soon as you begin to think something, it is the start of the process of, of growth, right? Whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, I would prefer positive. If you can think it, you can do it, but you have to address the negative impact or negative impulse every step of the way. And that is how you get to the point of building your table. I started building my table with what are you sporting about? And boom, athletes making moves comes along. And then it just keeps going and going and going now have a way to further impact the people who I'm passionate about helping, right? In lieu of my law firm. Some people are afraid of when they hear law firm or lawyer. So how else can I connect with individuals to help them understand? Here are some things that you should be thinking about. It started with me having the courage. I didn't know that I was building a table. I didn't know I was yeah. getting ready to set it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it took a step of not worrying about what, people would say people I don't even know right um it started with me in my own mindset oh that's great that's great so tell everyone how they can follow your journey you know on social media how they can reach out to you to get this information about NIL and um to protect their assets yeah absolutely so you guys can follow the athletes making moves brand on Facebook and Instagram if you want to get access to NIL Combine 2022, you can go to athletesmakingmoves.com, NIL Combine Plans with an S, NIL Combine Plans with an S, forward slash NIL Combine Plans with an S. Hey, don't worry, we'll put this all in the show notes. So, man, you got me fired up. I'm ready to start my day now. So, hey, thank you for coming on. And this is going to be a blessing. I can't wait to go back and listen to it because there's so many gems that you've dropped in this in this episode. So, you Good. Know, I wish you I'm, the I'm best. Happy. You know, people are going to catch on. You know, people, like you mentioned, 
universities will wish they had this information once they get into trouble. It'll be much more expensive by then. The, the, so. Tomorrow's price ain't today's <laughs> price. I hear you. Hey, well, thank you very much for coming on. And I can't wait to get this word out to everyone. Absolutely. And it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episodes. Until later, peace. Medicine.